0: Are those really the presidents in order?
1: I can do them all in 10 seconds.
0: The entire 45,
1: yes. 7, 6, yes. 7, 6, 5. All of them. Do it. Washington. I'm Jackson. I'm Jackson. I'm Jackson. over here, Jackson. He's <laughs> got w- to work. He's got to work. Cleveland has got to work. I'm going to Bush, Clinton, Bush, Obama, and Trump, and then Biden. Cheers. Cheers.
0: Cheers. Oh, nice. All
1: right. Hold up. Hold up. This is hot.
0: Are you this drinking is- hot toddies? I am. You got, got a cold? Cheers, cheers. Cheers.
1: No, no, no. no. I'm just, just like, yeah. I'm, I'm, this is so sad to say, but daylight savings fucked me up. <laughs> like, I, I was like, fine. Oh,
0: yeah. Go
2: blame it.
1: Go blame it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so due to the magic of podcasting, we won't have to mention a guest. that was an hour and a half late. So cheers, everyone.
1: <laughs> cheers. Abbott and Eric,
2: thank you for doing this.
1: Thank you, Mike. I'm this actually
2: is- really excited because I want to know how you guys met because my game, Abbott, is this. If it's uh, an athlete, I'm like, hey, Mariano Rivera comes on all the time. And if it's an author, I send all the pictures of me and Eric. And I'm like, hey, my Uncle E. <laughs> Wait
1: a minute. And he e takes podcasts. pictures with you? Oh, yeah. He I'm, doesn't take pictures with anybody. I
2: make sure of this. I, have, I give him two Manhattans. And I'm like, oh, my Uncle E comes on my show all the time. But you guys <laughs> actually know each other. So thank God I didn't go too far into my lie.
0: So how Uncle do you guys e. know each other?
1: I'm going to start calling him Easy e
0: Well, I, I'll tell you how we, as I recall, how we met. Yeah. Was, okay. I was, uh, it was when my book, Devil in the White City, had just come out. That goes back to 2003, believe yeah. it or not. And I was at a bookstore in Chicago when you showed up. Yeah. Yeah. You. You and your hub.
1: Oh yeah. Was it or Sarah Groen? Did I show up with Sarah Groen? Maybe Sarah, Gruen? Sarah Gruen. Maybe I think Sarah I showed up with Sarah Groen. Somebody. Another big author. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but no. then then we just sort of one thing led to another, and you know, we just started so, having cocktails and meeting in wow. New York and.
1: and yeah. yeah, and I and and just an addendum to that. Um, I was applying for Yato. My first book had come out Sin in the second city. It was about a brothel in Chicago following the years that Eric wrote about in, Sin, in uh, The Devil in the White City. And um, I, I needed recommendations for Yato, So I wrote to him and said, would you mind writing a recommendation? I understand if you're too busy, but blah, 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 because our friendship was still, you know, we, we were, it was intermittent and he was still living in Seattle at the time. And, um, and he was like, sure, sure, I'll do this. Uh, And then, like a couple months later, he wrote and said, "So inquiring minds want to know: Did you get the Yato residency?" And I said, "No, I didn't." And he said, "Fuck Yato! I feel like they rejected me." (laughs) That's great. Uh Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And (laughs) and then I guess
0: my application pending with (laughs) Yato has just been bounced.
1: (laughs) No, but that was what made me love him because, like before that, we were just like you know casual. Mm Uh, correspondence and and when if he came into new york i would we'd get together but like then he moved to new york and then the yato thing happened and then we became fast friends after that
2: one thing about eric that surprised you
1: uh (laughs) he has a great sophomoreic sense of humor (laughs) that i think not a lot of people know about and and uh sophomoric it's a little it's a little it's a little sophomoric yeah and uh and i love it i i it's it's because he's such a, a obviously brilliant man and a great writer and um and so when he comes out with these like high school jokes <laughs> it's uh it's always it's a delight yeah
2: and eric one thing about abbott that surprised you
0: uh everything surprised me <laughs> no 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 she's uh, I, I, uh, she's a great uh great companion great uh you know cocktail getter and i never, I never knew that getter. i never knew that at the, the time i met her <laughs>
1: that's what we need on my epitaph i want yes. cocktail getter of my tombstone. she's an
0: excellent right i mean that goes without saying but uh, yeah now is it karen abbott or abbott kayler because
2: you have your twitter handle is different from your author's
1: well name. i um my birth name was karen abbott okay uh i changed it back in 2014 so i changed it because i um at the time, I was thinking of getting into fiction, which I did much later, but at the time, I was thinking about it, and I had gotten an email from a reader saying, do you know if you Google yourself, it says that you died in 2010. Okay. <laughs> and it was super creepy. That, that, I, I,
0: that can be surprising. It wow. Was, it was
1: <laughs> quite surprising. Um, I, I, uh, I don't make a habit of Googling myself, but I did just for this occasion. Googled myself. Said, my picture shows up on the little Google image search, and it was me, and it said, "die 2010, and it was really creepy. And I was turning 40 at the time, and I was like, okay, this must be a signal from the universe and I need some sort of fundamental change. So I changed my name to Abbott Kaler. Kaler is my married name. Abbott was my surname and my nickname that a lot of my old friends used to just call me Abbott. So um, it had been my name since 2014, but I was never allowed to change it, according to publications. uh, My publishers were just like, you you know, just not complicate things and leave it. But now I have a novel coming out. So... um, and my novel is under Abbott Kaler, which is my legal name now, and my nonfiction publisher, Crown, which is also Eric's publisher, um, also agreed to do it. And I don't know if that has anything to do with the fact that Karen is now a slur that means like racist old white lady. But uh, <laughs> I just want to say I changed my name well before that meme sort of took over. Yeah.
2: Let me ask you this Are you ever nervous? Like if I, if I go to a bookstore or a library, I go to L for Larson. Are you nervous people are going to go for like A for Abbott or K for K and that your books aren't going well, to be never, together?
1: I never. Oh, no. I never. I never worried about, I mean, I don't have any books under Kayler yet, so okay. it's kind of like not an issue, but if my books are next to next to Eric's, he, yeah, if my books are canoodling with his, I, <laughs> have, <laughs> I have no objections. But
0: so, so you're going to do the novel under Abbott Kaler? Yeah. Okay. How about, that? are you going to do your next nonfiction yeah. book? I know you have another nonfiction book underway. Yeah. Is that going to be Kayler also, or back it, to it Karen will. Abbott?
1: Yeah. They, they let me, either, I think they just said, for simplicity's sake, just keep it all under one name and change the name.
0: Okay. they Are so. going to change your name on the past books? No, yeah. that'd be an interesting thing.
1: That would be an interesting thing, but I don't think that
0: would really confuse everybody.
1: No, in fact, in my novel, it says "books by Karen Abbott" on in the first page, like you know that that page. Oh, ah, okay. Yeah. smart. smart. So You're like an athlete that.
2: changing their jersey number. Like everyone had a Kobe <laughs> Bryant number twenty-four jersey, then an eight jersey. So if you change your books, people are going to buy books twice. That might be a genius that, move you have.
1: I don't yeah. know. We'll see. That's
0: right because they'll forget. Yes, you know, as, exactly. As, as, as the reading population ages.
1: Right, right. <laughs> like bring on the re- bring on the aging population philly gal
2: yes heartbroken over the eagles or you're not being yes a fan?
1: oh my god it was devastating i mean it was devastating i this is the thing i love about eagle fans and they get such a bad rap but when the team doesn't perform they, they don't blame the refs mm-hmm. they call their players on it where was the defense where's the defense the entire second half right so um i mean granted the officials did step in but if they stepped in it wouldn't have mattered if the defense had been playing like they should have been playing so, you know, say what you want about Eagles fans are disgusting. They eat shit. They eat horse shit. They yeah, climb poles. They, they literally, like, they killed Santa, whatever. But they call their players on it when they're not performing.
2: Eric, I know you're a huge sports fan.
0: When Philly plays a big game, they oh.
2: actually grease
0: the... Yeah,
1: they grease the poles. No, no, I know. I, know, I, w- I worked in Philly. I,
0: I, 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 I lived and worked in Philly, and I was there, actually, the night after...
1: I, I, told I told and, you. After the game,
0: and Abbott texts me. She says, wow, what's Philly like right now? And I said, well, because I'm not a sports guy. I yes. was like, well, what do you mean? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Only tennis. Yeah. That's it, right? Only tennis. Only tennis.
2: Tennis, And you, we got you free tickets to the Yankee baseball game. You weren't even going to go. That yeah. He had, like, WFA tickets. That yeah. was
0: different. That was different. Remember, we did the backstory with that was, yes, you know, yes, I, just, yes. I, I just, you know, I, I, because I, was, I used to work for the Wall Street Journal, I just can't. I can't accept, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, yeah, some unsolicited gifts, right. even though he's from a great guy, I'm sure. And, and he's not whatever. a
1: journalist anymore. Yeah. Yeah, but I still. I, I get it. I get it. I was a journalist. I get that. Yeah. Back,
2: back to Philly. Philly girl, you were a crime reporter doing the beat. Did you love doing that because every day is different? Doing I, ride alongs? I was, I
1: was a kind of a jack of all trades when I was doing that. Um, I did some crime. Um, I did love it. And, and I think Philly. Uh, Eric really one of our early conversations um, when we would get to know each other. He had a great line about Philadelphia characters, and it's just like, "It's a city full of charismatic sleaze." And did I say that? Wow, you good. did say that. And I, and I thought it was, I thought it was prob- possibly the most apt description I've heard of Philly characters. Um, it is a city filled with charismatic sleaze, and um, and it's a compliment. It is a city full of personality. You either love it, you hate it. Uh, I happen to love it, you know, I'm it's oh, very close to my close to my heart. but and so when I was a journalist there, um, I was all over the place. I did crime. I did a lot of um, just random profiles of people. One of my assignments that I, I I think might be my favorite thing I've written to this day was pick somebody in the phone book and just go contact them and get the story of their life. The theory being everybody has a story to tell. And it was this uh, old woman living in a public housing project in southwest Philly. And I went down there, and, um, it, it, I mean, she was, a, she was just an incredible character. I couldn't have invented her. Um, and, and I think Philly is full of those kind of people.
2: Was it always author bust? Back there, doing that, doing the ride-alongs, doing the interviews, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, was it always author or bust?
1: Um, no. I, uh, you know, I, I was a journalist. I actually went to school thinking I was going to be a lawyer. Um, I was, uh, I loved to write, I always wrote, but I didn't think you could make a living at it. Like I, I, I wasn't instilled the idea, Oh, people grow up to be authors. Like I, that wasn't something that even though I loved to write and I, um, I loved to read, uh, it wasn't something that I really thought of being a viable, uh, living. So I thought about going to law school. Then I got a internship randomly at Philadelphia magazine, which had some really crazy, you can imagine some crazy people there. And then I fell in love with the idea of being somebody being living a different life every day. As you said, like you just get the the joy of journalism is literally getting to live somebody else's life for a day and completely forgetting about who you are and immersing yourself in that other person. So um, and then I was like, let me see if I can do this in a full book length fashion and uh, and move to Atlanta because I couldn't afford to do that in Philly.
2: First time you ever saw someone reading your book, where were you and what you do?
1: oh it actually um this is this is a good question it wasn't reading my book but I was in Prague of all places okay I was in Prague on a beer tour on a beer pub tour in Prague, Prague and we met another American couple from Chicago who I'm still very great friends with to this day and he's like oh you know there's so many great Chicago books Eric Larson's Devil in the White City and and there's a book called Sin in the Second City I was like are you kidding me I was like, I wrote that book. He's like, no, no way, no wow. way. So we just bonded over that. He's like, oh, my God, I didn't realize, like, you're one of my favorite authors. And we're here drinking at this beer tour in Prague. Wow. And, uh, and we're still great friends to this day. So that was probably the best out-of-body experience as an author. That's a wild story. <laughs> yeah. Okay,
2: so I'm sitting here with two New York Times best selling authors. How do you guys find out? Are you guys best bestselling authors? Like, when you get to the Football Hall of Fame, they do the knock on your door. Do you guys get a phone call <laughs> or a plaque? Or do you find out the same way we do? Like I, I wonder mean, when you guys first found out because that's like the accomplishment, that's the grail.
1: I think I think Eric has found this out more than I have, but um, <laughs> what they do is there's a list that comes out the day before the the bestseller list is published. If you're talking about the New York Times mm-hmm. and they and you'll you probably get a few emails or if it's a particularly joyous occasion for whatever reason you'll get a phone call, but they'll send you the list with the PDF saying here's your book as it will appear in the following Sunday New York Times. Um, so. You know when that happens to me for the for the first time for my first book I you know I, I, I couldn't believe it I'm from a very sort of humble blue collar town and outside of Philly and it just the the idea that I one day made a New York Times bestseller list was just completely surreal to me really surreal to me
0: What about you Eric The first time you found out Oh that was the with my book Isaac Storm about a hurricane that destroyed the city of Galveston in 1900 and I was on the tour for that book I was in a hotel room and a number of weird things happened that day. And uh, one of them was that, um, do I have this name right, James Carville? Yeah. Carville. Suddenly out of the blue, I get a call from him in my hotel room saying, you know, I really loved your book, Isaac Stone. really loved it. just wanted to tell you. So I was like, well, thanks, right? Then like a half hour later, I hear from my publicist. He just launched on the bestseller list. And I was like, wow, something going on in the universe because – James Carville, who I had—I don't know from Adam—suddenly calls James me Calvary, in the my hotel room. Pl- a yeah. yeah, political guy. Yeah.
1: Wow. Wow.
0: I, it's, it's like.
1: How what? did he even know where you were?
0: That's—I don't know. <laughs> James <laughs> to Carville the, is to scary. This, to, to this day, I do not know wow. how this happened. And then the next thing I knew, I was—you know—they told me I wasn't in the best one. And I can tell you that it is an experience like no other. Yeah. You know, I mean, I haven't won any Pulitzer's, I resent that, but. <laughs> But um, there was nothing like getting that call from the publicist. Do you guys get a plaque or anything from it? No. No,
1: you get, you get, if you, you know, I I have mine framed. I have my first New York Times. My agent had mine framed. framed.
0: Yeah. Same thing. Do I still have it? No. No, I
1: have mine. It's actually hanging up in my wall. Yeah.
2: So before we talk about books, you're about to join the cult of hosting a podcast. So tell me about, (laughs) you're hosting a podcast now. Tell me about this.
1: It was kind of out of the blue. Well, it was um, iHeart Media, uh, a woman, a wonderful woman named Virginia um, Prescott, who was on NPR affiliate in Atlanta. When I, I did live in Atlanta for six years and, and sort of got in touch with her there, I wrote a book about the uh, women spies in the Civil War, and we had talked about that, and also talked about my The Ghost of Eden Park, my most recent book. And she called me and said, i you know I'm really interested in doing a podcast about George Remus. It's such an American ranks the riches story, an immigrant story, this and that, all these things that resonated with her and uh so we did it and um it's a seven part series. They have a lot of you know uh actors to do the voices because i can't <laughs> I well, can't really well, do voices and one sure. of my big things was like who wants to listen to my philly accent for for you know how many hours but um I, I think the Philly accident only really comes out when I've been drinking hot toddies. Yes. So <laughs> but, but,
0: but your audience probably wants to know about who is George Remus.
1: Yeah. Who is George Remus? George Remus was the most successful bootlegger in American history. Uh, if you want to just talk monetarily more successful than Al Capone. Um, and of course, Al Capone was involved in drugs and women and all these things that George Remus thought he was too clean for. Um, it's a really a fascinating story. He, he, uh, he at the height of his empire he was worth about 40 million dollars and that's in that's in 1921 money not even like today it's it's without inflation um and the story's great because it turns sort of uh soap opera-ish which always makes for a great non-fiction narrative his wife uh has ends up falling in love with the prohibition agent who put him in jail um, and Jay Hoover is involved and this wonderful female um, uh, assistant district attorney uh, assistant attorney general of the United States Mabel Walker Willenbrand is involved and there was a, a Boardwalk Empire HBO show that was really famous for about five years and, and George Remus was a minor character on that and I I kept thinking, like, who is this guy who speaks of himself in the third person? Who is this guy who sort of steals every scene he's in? He was used as comic relief, but well, it turns out... That sounds like somebody
0: I know. But, <laughs> yeah, but. yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. His, his story was much more interesting than anybody else on the show.
2: Because so. today's no spoiler day, so we're not allowed oh. to give the... No, like, no details yeah, no, yeah, oh, yeah. about the fight, cause sure. this also goes into your book. Uh, the Ghost of Eden Park, The Bootleg King, The Women Who Pursued Him, and The Murder That Shocked Jazz A's Jazz A- America... Does it also so? It's about George Dreamus, but is it also about your book? Also, like, is it all coincided together?
1: Yeah. So the it it. I mean, the story of George Dreamus really is in my book, and I just um, I worked with another writer on it because I was too too swamped to do it all on my own, and um, we just took a lot from my book, but infused it with a lot of asides and anecdotes, and personal stuff. Um, my grandmother was kind of a bootlegger. I mean, the or- oh, wow. the, the interesting thing about prohibition, right, was that it turned ordinary citizens into criminals. You know one day you're you're legal drinking your booze and bringing it down the street and selling it to whoever you wanted to and the next day you were a criminal worthy of being prosecuted by various federal agencies and state agencies. So Did,
2: did you enjoy the process of doing the podcast? I are, did. You, are you finished with it?
1: It's finished. It's dropping May 2nd, iHeart Media, um, iHeart Radio, so available wherever you get your podcasts, uh, I h- guess.
0: How many how many installments? 7. So what was that like?
1: It was um, it was interesting. It was, uh, I mean, it was It was great. I, I think the thing that's really going to set it apart in terms of these these historical podcasts is there are a lot of, of people doing the narration of the voices. I really wanted to read like a story. I wanted to feel like you, you were transported back in time. I think, I always say that people who do what we do are like, t- we're time travelers, right? And we... I mean, the goal to me is always to make somebody feel disoriented. If you shut one of our books or you turn off the podcast, I want mean, you to feel a little bit like, wait a minute, what era am I in? What century, what century am I in? What year am I in? And just feel a little bit like you, you were so in, in, immersed in that era that, that it's almost um, you, you, you kind of don't know where you are when you, when you finally have to rejoin your real life.
2: That's really interesting that whole topic of it that they did it. Yeah. Did they I know you get asked to do a lot of podcasts. You're always asked to be a guest. Did you ever ask to get host one to host one or not?
0: I have not been asked to host one. Um, and nor nor I, you know, nor would I. I mean, occasionally I think to myself, you know, I could do a podcast about whatever, but then once you do it, it's nice to do a podcast where you, where there's a de- defined time limit. You do yeah. seven seven yes. elements and you're done. Yeah. But the idea of doing a podcast that would go on in, in perpetuity, just being tethered to that thing, I, I, I'm, I'm beyond, not beyond that, but I can't do it. I mean, I, my personality is like, the minute you tell me I have to do something, I don't <laughs> want to do it. So I do one, <laughs> clock, one podcast true. and you tell me I got to do another one? No. You're done. No. Yeah.
1: He is the most contrarian person I know, and I love that about him. <laughs> yeah.
2: I, I asked Eric this. I asked a lot of authors this, because the book's done now. You finished the book a while ago. Are you ever tired of talking about it? because no. you're on to your next stuff already and now you're like yeah. okay let me go back to joe dreamer stuff
1: yeah no i get tired of talking about older stuff but not this one and i i maybe also because i think some of my favorite characters were in this one it was such a um i'll say this for for, for non-fiction is it's very rare that you get a level of uh primary source material that allows you to have the amount of dialogue i had in a nonfiction book i had a trial court trial transcript, and what what do people do at trials? They get on the stand and they say, I said this, this person said this, this is what the gestures were like, this is what the facial expressions were like, this is what they were doing. So the amount of detail that that allowed me to do was incredible and it kind of even allowed me to do a whodunit you know I it was kind of Chekhov's gun the gun goes off the first scene and you don't find out until later on and and it could be this person shot this person shot this person got murdered this person got murdered and you don't get to do that with nonfiction. so the fact that this source material allowed me to do that was really exceptional and, and rare you don't often get that.
2: That was actually my next question. The opening chapter of your book is sick. You start off with a chase, a gunshot, a murder. You don't know. who... Did yeah. you always know? Like, okay, I want to write a book. I want to start people off with the, with the crime, and then go from there.
1: I mean, you always think in nonfiction terms that you would love to do that, but that you have to. The primary source material tells you what you can and can't do. You know, you're beholden to the primary source material, and I think people. We we often lament that we're beholden to the primary source material because the dead people don't always do what you want them to do, um, you know. But um, but when you get when you have so much rich primary source material, it, it really opens up narrative opportunities for you where you can you can use the elements of fiction while staying within the realm of nonfiction.
2: Why isn't he more famous? Because more money than Capone. Yeah, a character and a half. His whole thing with his wife. The whole situation was mind-boggling. Yeah, like, why isn't he more famous?
1: I think it's a good question because, and I think the answer to that is, uh, Capone was such an outsides personality, and it was a it was a murder. You know, Remus George Remus, um, I'm sure had had a, a few dirty things on his calling card that he didn't want to mention in terms of the, where the bodies were buried. But he wasn't an ostentatious. You know, I just shot a bunch of guys on Valentine's Day and. He um, called himself a gentleman's bootlegger. He was a gentleman he, above all else. And he was, his biggest goal wasn't to even have the most money. His biggest goal was to be accepted by society. Um, he wanted to uh, uh, sort of feel at home with with the uh, you know William Howard Taft's family. He was in Cincinnati, so he wanted to be at home with the Tafts and the Sittons and the Longhors and these very illustrious Cincinnati families that were world famous at the time. And he he really was the American dream in terms of he he was born in Germany. He came here as a young kid, and his biggest goal was to be accepted by America. So, and I don't think Capone had the same the same ambition.
2: And he was super smart, like.
1: He yeah, actually he found
2: loopholes to manufacture and sell alcohol, and then he didn't need to do that. He was successful yeah. in his own business. Why do you mm-hmm. think he went the crime route? Because he was successful to begin with.
1: Well, this is the thing. He he was so successful that he opened the door for Capone. You know, he was he was in business before Capone was, and in fact, Capone's protege Johnny Torrio, or not Capone's protege, Capone's predecessor, uh, Johnny Torrio, was a climb of Remus's, and he didn't. You know, he he never he never did go into illegal um you know the the brilliant thing about remus was that most of his operation was successful right so he he um he had his uh, his manufacturing operation which he called the circle and his biggest uh, um, the biggest component of that was uh, providing his own transportation trucks so he had all this alcohol traveling on these trucks and he would have his men hijack his own trucks <laughs> so that you know ostensibly the the trucks would be uh, carrying liquor on the legal medicinal market which was legal but they would divert it to the illegal market at any price he named so it was like legal up until like 85% of the time
2: was he legit the um, the reason Gatsby? Is it was it really written after him, or is that just like, no? Written? That's that's so true. So Jay Gatsby was kind of.
1: No, that, that, there's absolutely... There's no proof that F. Scott Fitzgerald and, and George Remus met. There's all these apocryphal stories, no proof. But it's true that, that Fitzgerald would have known who Remus was by the time he was writing Gatsby. Um, everybody knew who Remus was. And I think the um, parallels between the two men are conspicuous. You know, both of them were, um, owned a string of pharmacies. Both of them were in love with an enigmatic woman. They threw these lavish parties. They had these crazy mansions. Um, and they both, you know, as Fitzgerald wrote, they were, uh, Gatsby was a platonic conception of himself. So, so, yeah, so he, um, I, the, the, the parallels, I think that both Gatsby and Remus were longing to become part of a world that didn't quite welcome them. They, they had aspirations to, you know, achieve this level of society that didn't really welcome them.
2: And this question's for both of you guys. When you have a topic for a book, and I've asked you this many times, Eric, so you have this book, you know you're going to write the book on George Remus, and as you're starting to peel the onion and you've seen these great understo- like you know other storylines, yeah, yeah. do you know, like, I got it now? Like, I'm going to write a book on George Remus? It's going to be good. But then when you start seeing that yeah. his wife with the prohibition, when it was all different stuff, when you guys peel the onion, is that just the best feeling like, okay, I got mm-hmm.
1: it? It is. It is. I mean, I'm sure for, well, the fact that, you know, I always like to have a strong woman in my book and the fact that Mabel Walker-Lebrandt, who was the assistant attorney general of the United States at this time when women barely had the right to vote. She was, you know, f- uh, just uh, eight months out of law school, barely had, never had prosecuted a case in her career and suddenly was put in charge of all the prohibition cases across the country, you know, because you know, the men above her, you know, uh, it was um, uh, Warren Harding and all of his cronies but like, let's put the little lady in there. She's going to be overwhelmed, she's not going to know what she's doing, she's going to be, you know, we'll be able to continue our, our cozy quid pro quo with bootleggers, let's just leave the little lady in there. And of course she gets in, in the position and starts kicking ass. And, and once you have that sort of... Um, so
0: she'd be a film.
1: She would be a film. She deser- she's fully deserving of her own treatment. And, and I just thought she was such a great antagonist, and there were such interesting parallels with her and Remus. Remus had to quit school when he was 13 to help his family. She only began her former schooling at 13. Remus was a teetotaler who never had a drop to drop a drink of alcohol. She was somebody who loved her California red wines before she took the job in Prohibition. Um, so they had these kind of interesting things, and, and um, she was just such a great, fantastic character. And, and once I realized that she was the foiled to Remus, um, it was it really came together for me
2: because of my job I love the boots on the ground kind of thing like yeah doing the research and it's obviously you guys write about such older stuff the 20s World War II it's not just a Google search you have to kind of get out there and do oh, your yeah. thing well you so, have to yeah so yeah. tell me about tell me about that process of both you guys like this book with the 20s like give me about that process I know you got the court transcripts right but
0: give me that whole thing we, trying to the, take and, it and the transcripts by the way the, 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 if if you are working on a project where you have the actual court transcript it is gold yeah. because you get to actually have dialogue. Right. You have so much wonderful stuff. It doesn't always happen that you have that, but, yeah. It,
1: and it's rare. That's why I said it's so rare. I actually had somebody complain that there was too much dialogue in my book. What? I was like, <laughs> it is nonfiction. And, and, and also, having written a novel now that's coming out, but um, the beautiful thing about dialogue and nonfiction is you can't write bad dialogue and nonfiction because if it's bad dialogue, you're blaming the people who spoke it. They just weren't good speakers. They weren't interesting speakers. It has, but it's well, like and and,
0: and don't you feel it? that that that's the balance? The problem is, you know, sometimes you come across dialogue like in a newspaper interview or something, right? But it's really lousy dialogue. But uh, nonetheless, it's dialogue. and yeah. You can't get that in nonfiction. Yeah. So then there's this yin yang thing. Do I use this because it's really shitty dialogue, or do I not? Or do I use this because it gives you an insight into how the conversation went, even though we know this was not how they really yeah. spoke. And, so, and I usually I usually err on the side of, yeah, just bring it on because, you know, it's good to sort of at, at least have that texture in the narrative. Yeah,
1: I agree, too, because also if it's bad dialogue in nonfiction or an interview in a newspaper, you can give con- context to it. You can explain why it's right. bad dialogue right. or surmise why it's bad dialogue. Whereas but if it's
0: your own novel, you're Yeah, s- you're, yeah you're
1: fucked. <laughs> you're completely fucked. If you write bad dialogue in your novel, it's your own fault.
2: Speaking of novels, 2024 is gonna kind of be huge for you. You have your first novel coming out. Yeah. Where you end. That drops in January, right? Yes. And then you have a nonfiction book coming out, Then Came the Devil, a saga of sex, murder, and utopia at the dawn of World War II. Are yeah. they both coming out the same
0: year?
1: I don't know. I uh, <laughs> that was my
2: question. Eric, thank you. So January it's dropping. <laughs> January is
1: definitely it's actually dropping on my birthday. Which um, is January. where you end, January twenty third. Okay. Uh to exactly 20 where, where days. You, after where you birthday. end Yeah.
0: It's dropping on your birthday. Yeah. Wow,
2: okay.
1: Yeah.
2: That's me. A hell of a book party by the way
1: yeah it should well, be a hell hope. of a book party okay um but my non-fiction i don't know my nonfiction was due this month <laughs> which is not happening okay um but i did send half of it into my editor just to you know tell her yes this is actually being worked on but um i don't know when it's gonna it will probably be published in 2024 i'm guessing
0: don't you think it would be good not to have it in the same year
1: I do. Maybe it will be January. in January should be
0: a thing, seriously. January twenty-third. Maybe, and January.
1: maybe. I think that I think that my nonfiction for the Galapagos is a summer book. I mean, it's a it's a book about. T-
2: well, <laughs> t- tell about the book. I want to hear about it.
1: It is. Um, so Eric knows. He's been hearing about this. Me talking about this book for years and years and years. It is. Uh, there's a story of um, these German uh, idealists. One of whom is a doctor who's very eccentric. Uh, can, I just, can I just interject please? one thing here, by
0: the way? Because as you know, as you know, Mike. I would never, in a million years, tell you what I'm working on. Right? Uh, we, we, you know that. Know that. You we know, know that. We know that. So, I admire Abbott for doing well, so.
1: I, I'm doing it because I don't know. You don't. I don't think you have this problem that I have. I need to like pee around my territory. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, like I.
0: Okay. I don't have that problem.
1: Yeah, I don't think you have this problem. It happened to me in Eden Park. I had somebody else write a book about George Remus, which I'm not going to even mention the title or the person. Cause at this point, after three totties, I don't, don't even know if I can tell you. Okay. But um, but I'm like, I you know, I had it announced, and I, I was like, you know, I am working on this book. And um, if anybody else wants to try to do it, like, bring it on at this point. So I started working on this book. Uh, I've been wanting to do it for years and years, but my publisher was reluctant because it doesn't take place in America and the main characters aren't Americans. There are Americans in it. But it's not. There's there's some multicultural happenings in the in the book. So, But I thought it was a universal story. I thought it was a timeless story. Uh, there are these settlers, this particular eccentric doctor in Germany, who decides that he wants to try to leave civilization. We're on the march to World War II, by the way. Germany's in turmoil. The great depression is happening it's affecting everything across the country hitler is rising he wants to try to escape you civilization and create a utopia far away in a remote island in the galapagos so he takes one of his patients Um, they both leave their spouses they go down to the galapagos islands they start trying to build this utopia the doctor i should say is a very difficult person um things are a little rocky off the start because you just left everything you knew and you're you're selling on this remote island with this guy who was so devoted to this cause that before he left, he yanked all of his teeth out assuming that he would have dental problems eventually in the island and was like, I don't, I'm not gonna. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was, and declared that he was a a nutritionist, he was a a raw foodist, he didn't want to eat meat, he was a vegetarian. So they go down there um, things are okay, they're a little rocky, then somebody else shows up, things get a little more rocky. Then this woman shows up with her, calling herself the Baroness, with two men who she's clearly in some sort of menage a trois with. Um, there is, there's many whips and and guns. Um, there are American settlers who become obsessed with the whole thing. Um, and it turns into basically, it turns into, long story short, a, a Lord of the Fly for adults. And it's, it's the most interesting non-fiction narrative I've ever come across, but the challenge has been, to try to reinstate and, and reinforce and underscore <coughs> how this is, this is relevant and that it's a universal uh, sort of urge and I think timeless urge to, to escape civilization and try to build something that's um, the ideal in your mind and, and how, you know, wherever you go, there you are. You're not going to escape the problems just because you yeah. physically relocate yourself.
0: That is your marketing cut line, a lord of the flies for adults.
1: That's that's what it is. That's there what you go, there's the,
0: or, or with adults, with mm-hmm. adults, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, with it all.
2: We mentioned boots on the ground. Did you go to the Galapagos to do any research? I did. did you? Oh, I did. how was it?
1: I did. It was amazing. Um, I only went to the island that's in question. the The island that they lo- that they uh, moved to was Floriana. It's in the southwest part. Um, I mean, the most exotic locale I've ever been in. It was difficult right now. there's about four hundred people living on Floriana. And um, with Wi-Fi and maybe one spot, and everybody knows everybody, and there's a guy who owns the farm, and everybody goes. I mean, it's a very close-knit community, because it's so small. And it was so difficult just to be there in 2022, that I cannot imagine how it was in 1929 um, to actually be there. With no pass carved, they, they relied on the donkeys to carve the pass. Obviously, they had no technology. Um, they had to build a way to have running water they had to run like it was an incredible feat of imagination Hmm. and technology in terms of when i say technology i mean primitive ways to just get the get the piping from one end to the other to bring water to your to your to the primitive cave dwelling that you've managed to build
0: wow Um, where'd you stay in floriana
1: yeah there was a um on black beach which is named so called for uh the the it's literally black beach sand beach um you know, where they basically said, Don't flush the toilet <laughs> and don't don't wow. flush anything down the toilet because it's hard and there was like two bars. I managed to find the bars. Nice. I managed to find the people to drink with. Um, and wonderful people. Really, really wonderful Did you tell friendly them you're people. Writing a book oh yeah. Were they into it? Yeah. They were into it. And they were very kind and, and, and um I got to practice my very terrible Spanish, but yeah. Y-
2: your books put women on the forefront and you don't do it in the traditional like nineteen twenties where you really you give them a whole voice, is there an awesome character in oh this? yeah okay, cause I, I she, think and she's terrible oh really
1: she I love her and she's terrible <laughs> um, she is uh the baroness her she calls herself the baroness and and all of the literature about her has been making fun of her and saying, oh she's a fake baroness, she's just sort of this priest she was a real baroness, her family was a, a very distinguished noble family from Vienna um, she was um uh, sort of had all the tentacles and all very, uh, you know, like her, that really the Habsburgs, um, king of like royalty in England, the UK monarchy, they're, all her family was tied in that. So she did have legitimate claims as being royalty, and everybody sort of made fun of her for that. But but she was also this really, I mean, I would have a field day to listening to a psychiatrist diagnose her today. I mean, there, she definitely has some sort of personality disorder, which, Not fun for the people in Floriana in 1930, but a lot of fun for me (laughs) researching her now.
2: I know it's around the World War II. My uncle, uh, I actually know. If you you need, my uncle can help you out with some of the time frame. If you need help with that time frame of stuff, okay? Okay.
1: I'm always looking for for interesting insights.
2: Again, both of you guys. Your uncle being... (laughs) <laughs> uh, New York Who's Time your <laughs> uncle? I'm the uncle. Oh! Th- th- that's why I tell everybody. <laughs> th- th- there's <laughs> also a
0: backstory to the
2: uncle. We'll tell you all that right, which, all the right. yeah. <laughs> So, both New York Times bestselling authors. So, whenever you guys put a book out, automatically there's going to be eyes on it. Is that pressure, or like that's really good? Like, you know, any book both of you guys write, it's going to get press. Is that okay? Good. I know it's going to sell, but is there more pressure now, like because I need to like follow up my stuff? You're only as good as your last book. I want to hear both your opinion on that.
1: No, I mean I don't. I don't think it's fair to put Eric and I in the same category. Eric is a, a multi-New York. I mean, he's been a number one New York bestseller. He's he's world renowned. I you know I when I make the bestseller list, it's it's a j- occasion of joy for me because I I I feel like that was the pinnacle of the one I wanted to do he makes the New York Times bestseller list and he's on there for weeks and weeks. So, um, I mean, for me, just to make the list is, is just a, a huge accomplishment. If I could stay on for another week, it's great. But Eric is expected to stay on. So, you know, we're just at different points in our career. That well, Don't I you feel
0: the, the, the sort of a, a, I do. a pressure that, please, dear God, let this happen again?
1: I do. I definitely feel that. And, um, and it's hard, you know, like, uh, I mean, I don't know if authors talk about the conflicts of, of luck that you need to, for this to happen to especially when you're you're not at Eric's level and it's just like I wrote a good book like I, I believe in this book I think people have an interest in it um, my publishers behind me Wh- am I gonna have the the, the the luck that I need to just get it to that point and and so when you're still at a level like mine you you rely on that that bit of luck um, and and it is a lot of pressure because if you don't get the luck, it's 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 automatically a failure and a disappointment
2: now, eric what about you you know you're going to go on the
0: list right away yeah. well okay first of all i i think she's 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 not she's cutting herself yeah she's down, down herself down just too. No. a little bit no. and that may be the, the psychosis involved in hoping that you're going to be on the list i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> so.
1: You know, but, I am, I am a, a quite in a state of psychosis, so you yeah, pick I know. that up, you know
0: so, that. so, but I, what I would say is that <laughs> it, it, it's never, it's never, it is never a certain thing. I don't ever feel that it's a certain thing. I don't, I don't write for the bestseller list. I write the best yeah. book I can possibly write. And my hope is that yeah. it reaches the widest possible audience. And if it turns out that to God's favorite, great. If it turns out not, I say this now. Fine, I did the best book that I could possibly do i 'm not pandering to anybody i 'm not yeah. trying to to write for anything and God help me i 'm not writing for any prizes that 's the path to death yeah and so my hope is that that it will find the audience that I write for, which is the broad audience who never thought in a million years that they want to read about Churchill you know for yeah. example and if I find that audience that 's great
1: yeah now I think I, I, I when he says that um you just hope that you find the audience. I, I think that's a very valid thing. And, and I often had that, I mean, this is this is kind of a weird tangent, but changing my name to a gender neutral one, I think like, oh, maybe that will help me with men.
2: Wow, okay. You know what
1: I mean? Like uh, um, Abbott is a, you, you don't know if I'm a male or female off the top of the bat. And mm-hmm. um, I, I often hope like if you've never read one of my books before, you've never heard my name before, maybe uh, you'd be more inclined to pick it up and give it a chance um but but he's right i mean even you know i i i mean eric obviously is 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 at the top of our field um but it, there's also an element always an element of of you don't know how this is going to do when you have to write the best book that you want to write and and the best book you're capable of writing and and the ghost of Ian park I, I you know i've never been more proud of a book i've written i i thought it was a really good book and um I had a little trouble because there was another book at the same time, but I was like, you know what, I wouldn't change anything. There's nothing I could have done better than what I did.
2: Yeah, you knocked and it and out of the part to, too. So
1: Well you thank you. You you just have to be accept for you know, the it's it's the it's the book that you the best book you can do, but also the um, situation you're publishing into. So you, you always have to give th- that is always a factor.
2: Uh, a two part question. I know there's eyes on the book. Are there ears did you guys both do audio books?
0: I did an audio um, uh, fiction work. All my non-fiction has been audio, has been turned into audio books. But but my last thing was a what a total one off personal personal, um, which is great.
1: Did you listen to that? No,
0: gleeful thing. That it's, it's a ghost story. It's yeah. fiction. Oh, you, it's you audio only. My wife listened to it. You, yes, you it's called. It's called No One Goes Alone. And and you know, and it's funny. I was just doing a whole bunch of lecture things and. And, and everybody said, and now your latest book. And I said, oh, you mean the Churchill book? No, no, the audio book. I was like, <laughs> yeah.
1: I
2: don't
0: even think of it as a book. It's like this was so much fun. It was so much whatever. I got to make up dialogue. Yeah. You know? It was good dialogue, not yeah. crappy dialogue. And, you know, it's, that's just. It's
1: fantastic. It's, well, it's fiction. It. Yeah, I, got, it's I got it
0: out of my system. Now oh, I'm deep in the trenches on this 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 thing that is driving me. This new one. Crazy. So, uh, but I'll make you laugh. So last time, the first time Everett comes on,
2: he had a few Manhattans. And I'm like, what's your next book? He's like, I'm not going to tell you. I said, Okay. Then a couple more Manhattan's were finishing <laughs> up. He's like, "I'm not going to tell you, but I'll give you a hint. It's about a topic that was it was a Churchill book about a topic that was discussed a lot. So everyone was trying to figure out what it was. It so was. That's what the, now did you do an
0: audiobook for this
1: one? I don't do my I don't read my own audiobooks, okay. but all my books have been have been audiobooks. Do those sales count? Do also? you
0: listen to your audiobooks? I do not. Me neither. Do you?
2: Oh,
1: really? I can't. Why? Why? I'm, I won't just for the same reason I won't reread a book I wrote. I, I same, same here. Yeah. Really? Yeah, and did I and I hear that the voices are great. Like I've listened to the, the people who wrote read my audiobook, I've listened to them on other books. Can't listen to them on mine.
2: Um, it's like George Costanza when Costanza got yeah. his book and he wrote. Did you? Uh, did, do those sales also count towards your best selling list? So if you guys sell like audio books, that still count? do they do
0: they count on the combined? list? I don't list? know. I don't. I don't know. I have no. Idea. I don't know. I'm curious. There's so, so many know. so many lists now that it's hard to yeah. tell. There's the combined also, list versus like, the master I don't know list. If Eric,
1: I think Eric's the same way. I try to distance myself from that the sales part of it is the publishing part of it as much as you possible mean the numbers yeah oh yeah
0: i don't want to hear numbers i've told my agent i don't want to
1: hear anything about the business my agent will start to say well you
0: know i was looking at the numbers. No-. david no no
1: wow okay. yeah. because, I,
0: because the minute you start thinking just, about the business of publishing then yeah. then you start thinking about things that you should not be thinking about <laughs>
1: it, it it just hinders your creative like if you if you listen to numbers and you have to go spend a day by yourself in your head um, with historical research and documents, and, and actually writing a book, you can't do it. it's. It's just it's intrusive, and it ruins the creative process. So you,
2: you, I don't do it either. You, you, you're dropping like hints that you have something coming out. Do you have a release date for when your things come out?
0: I can tell you that. Yeah, right now it's March of 2024. Are you yeah. excited about it? You're talking to the wrong guy. <laughs> I'm
2: excited for
1: it. I'm excited for it.
0: I'm, I'm like I'm like panicked. I've been, never been more stressed. You know. Um,
1: I think it's gonna be great. I, well, it, I know but, a little bit about it. And I'm not saying know, anything, but, but, but it's but gonna he, be great. Here's a the
0: problem: the, the pandemic set me back. Yeah. Um, in terms of archival access and so forth. And, and, oh, I didn't and think about that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and so I am. <clears throat> I, I, I feel that I'm behind, and to me, it's a real tense race to think. Okay, to 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 the finish line with this thing. I think I'm 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 good. Um, But, you know, it's been very uh, extraordinarily stressful.
2: Now, on a side note for you, I know you had other projects uh, coming. I know people bought... two of your books Devil in the White City and Garden of Beast anything going on with that or you don't even know
0: oh, <laughs> let me tell you the latest you mean you're talking about options film and options film yep I uh, know Hulu uh,
2: the, the word was Hulu they never called me to help out with it yeah well so,
0: so Hulu so here's the la- I love this I think it's the Holmes curse honestly the Devil in the White City came out in 2003 mm-hmm. you know, as you know maybe it's maybe Abbott put the kibosh on but anyway what comes out in 2003 it's been it's been under it's been under option you know Literally every year, ever since then, by somebody, some great, great names in film and so yeah. forth. Right, this book Huge literally, age, yeah. literally put my kids through college. Literally, I love when you and say I that. I have yeah. three daughters, and and you know, so so, you know, the latest thing was that Hulu was going to do a, a limited series, right? On the, which is. Perfect. That's exactly what it needs to be. So the, the sequence of events over the last couple of months. This is why I say it's the homeless curse. first of all, Keanu Reeves was 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 signed on. You know, he even signed a compensation package. He was going to go with this thing, right? And we had a great director, the guy who had done. Um, uh, he had done Taj. You know, the Kate yeah, Blanchett yeah, thing.
1: Don't get me started on Cape Blanchett with you. <laughs> well,
0: don't get me started, with him, but, but so but so. <laughs> So, um, one thing leads to another. He decides to, to, to bail from the series, the director. And then Keanu Reeves, who wanted to work with the director, bails from the thing, right? And then the next thing, this has happened like last week, Hulu has bailed from the thing. So now we're find, trying to find another... I, I, Hulu bailed I mean, we
1: last week?
0: Yeah, now it's with NBC. I mean, ABC, CBS, one of these entities, still owns the right... They still want to do something with it. But this has been not, yeah. not good for, for, the, for the project. <laughs> Luckily... Luckily, I, I take the position, I don't know what Abbott feels about this, but I take the position that, yeah, you know, I'm a writer, you know, I write books, I, I film, if it happens, it happens, I'm, I'm, I'm delighted. Yeah. If it doesn't happen,
1: Absolutely. that's too bad.
0: Yeah. And one time that I let myself kind of get into it was with Keanu Reeves, because I think he's great, you know, he, yeah. one, of, one of my favorite movies, one of his least uh, known, I guess, was Something's Gotta Give with Jack Nicholson, and, and right. uh, you know, and and... And, you know, the fact that he was into it, I was like, wow, that's great. This is really going to happen. And then when he bailed, I heard this from my, my Hollywood agent on a Friday evening. Yeah. I was Aww. actually depressed. That's a bu- it's a bummer. I was yeah. actually depressed for, like, three hours. Yeah. Bur- bourbon helped. But I was, de- uh. I was depressed for, like, for the rest of that evening, right? But, like, the Hemingway show story the next day, like, you know, I was like, it was noon before I remembered that my heart was broken. <laughs> you know, it, it was over. It was over. Yeah, and I and I resolved again no not to get into it. And so with this this this, this the, the Hulu thing, when this Hulu thing, I heard about it again from my agent on a, on a Friday night. And I told him, look, you got to stop calling. Yeah, me this is a bad, bad job by that guy. And I'm like, I'm fine, I'm fine. You know, take the money and run. I mean, I've probably earned enough in options for Donal Whitesit to buy a house in Malibu. Cool, I haven't done that. it. I should have. You should yes. But
2: now in the Garden of Beasts, did they do did they option that also?
0: That's optioned for a couple of things. And one, my, my favorite thing about Garden of Beasts... Um, no, sorry, Garden of Beast. The Garden of Beast is optioned by Tom Hanks. I was fast forwarding to Splendid of the Vile. One of my favorite things about Splendid of the Vile is that one thing it's been optioned for is a one man play on Broadway.
1: That's amazing.
0: This guy, Barry Weisler, who's a really renowned producer, and his concept. That's I can't really cool. go into too much. Okay, about, okay, But it's a fantastic idea. But anyway. I love that I, But idea. I'm not getting myself vested. I go yeah. with the Tom Wolfe approach. You I you, understand. Uh, my
1: agent says about Hollywood have, options. Have yours
0: got an option? An yeah, I'll, okay.
1: I'll, yeah, I have a couple heartbreaking stories. But my agent, my, <laughs> a very, my very blunt New York agent, who was like, eh, options. You know, it feels good for a while. It's like getting a hand job at the back, let, back of a bar. It's like feels about as good as getting a hand job in the dark corner of a back the back of the bar, which you know, like which is in a way like true. I mean, granted, the money from options could be nice, but it's kind of like unless something happens from it, it's it's kind of like you feel a little unfulfilled. You know, like a hand job in the back of of the bar. Of course.
0: Footnote: This is the beauty of podcasts. Right. Yeah. Without a doubt, of course, you could talk about
1: (laughs) hand jobs in the back of the bar. So, so so, my biggest heartbreak about that is Sin in the Second City, my first book, was optioned by Ryan Murphy for Ooh. 10 years before he became, like, super famous from American Horror Story. And um, this was bef- around the time of Nip Tuck, his first – and he kept optioning and optioning and optioning. There was a, there was a pilot where – I met with Ryan Murphy. He was like, I love Susie Poontang, who was a character yeah. in Sin in the Second City. <laughs> Um, which right, right? Like, I mean, how often I did somebody to name
0: that? So, I think.
1: Th- <laughs> right. Hmm. So did I. <laughs> anyway, I about a character named Susie Poon Tang, but uh, so it, it was kind of um, you know this went on and on. They they wrote a pilot actually that that then Ryan Murphy went from FX where he was contracted to um, to Netflix. And the pilot got left behind, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Like, I'm, and then you haven't heard
2: anything about it since. You know,
1: no, somebody. But by the time that like Ryan Murphy had had like sort of gone through it, it was just like, "Oh, like Ryan Murphy had it," meh. and it was, just, yeah, if, it was just yeah. If you let
0: yourself get yeah, into you this your, stuff, you
1: can't let yourself think about it. Yeah, I mean, you can't let like two
0: things. It. One, one great former, you know. Editor of, of, of fiction once said Hollywood will always break your heart. Yeah, and Tom Wolfe said the best thing of it all, which is you take your book to the fence, yep, take the bag of money, and run, yep, and don't yeah. don't don't look back, don't get involved. I, yeah. I have a, a reader question just about uh, like um,
2: paperback books coming out. Right. When, uh, your your book came out like a year ago. Yep. When that comes out, uh, obviously it's new promotion and stuff. You have to do new press. Do you ever, and this is going to sound very silly, do you ever think you forget about the stuff? Like, you're going to go on a podcast or interview, like, oh my God, I haven't thought about that book for two years, three years. Do you guys have been worried? Like, uh, are you new-
0: kidding? All the time. Okay, exactly. All the time. That,
2: when, when I read, like, I read your book a while ago. Yeah. I made my notes. And while I'm doing notes, I'm like, oh my God, I don't want to keep asking her questions because what happens if you guys, this is three years ago, you guys yeah. invested so much of your no, life in that. I,
1: I remember that book vividly. I have a, I have a, she's younger than me. She remembers things. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm,
2: I'm
0: like, what the hell are you talking about?
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. That's right. That, oh, yeah. It's that Churchill fellow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you know what I just saw about you, Eric, online? I, uh, this, uh, yeah, when I was waiting for you, I went on YouTube. I typed your name in to see if I'm anything
0: new. Do yeah. I want to hear this? Yeah,
2: yeah. You did like an hour interview with Conan O'Brien.
0: I did. A long time ago. Yeah, yeah I, I, I was, just saw the that first time. With his podcast. He's great. Yeah, he's unbelievable. He did a great job. Oh, and has very professional operation. He's got like a staff of oh, like doing a podcast? Yeah, no six. Yeah. Well-read guy. Very, very smart, John. Yeah. And that I was going to actually—I
2: know you've done a lot. Any other famous podcasts as you did? I know, I know you did like a lot of literary ones, but like Conan uh, was—that's
0: a pretty big one. I, I yeah. think Conan was the big one. Yeah. I was supposed to this such a bummer when I, when the, my book Splendid Vile came out. I had this fantastic tour. I, you know, I'm usually reluctant about touring. I don't—I'm not that into public whatever. And it's something you do. You know, there's a saying about book tours that <laughs> the only thing worse than a book tour is not having one. Very I yeah. like it, okay Yeah. <laughs> and so but this this thing for the Splendid and Wild was turning out to be just this, this wonderful tour with all this great stuff. And it was gonna culminate with this great podcast god, I can't even remember the guy's name, but he's he's like incredibly famous on the West Coast. Um, oh, um is it Mark Marin? No. Um oh my god, what's his name? You would know in a heartbeat. And and then, boom, pandemic. Dead, gone. Oh yeah, halfway West through Coast the tour. Guy. I, I, will, I will remember this after the next minute. Yes.
1: Why, why couldn't you, you couldn't do podcasts uh, via uh,
0: internet? Oh, uh, I, th- <laughs> by I know. the time, I, know you hate I, I was halfway I through that book tour that when, when uh, on my wife's birthday when the thing, when when the world crashed. When it really hit. Yeah, so wow. I flew back the next day. Um, and, you know, from then on, it was like Zoom hell. Right. And the last thing I wanted to do was try to recapitulate yeah. this experience on the L.A. stage with my daughter who lived in L.A. in the right. audience and like Right.
1: Right. Done. I'm trying to remember. Uh, let me know if First world works.
2: problem, by yes. the way. By yeah. the way. All right, before we finish up a quick hit questions, I oh. know you from the Ghost of Eden Park. If someone asks us what other books do they read from you American Rose, Liar Temptress, Soldier Spy, or Sin in the Second City, what do you always recommend? Like, hey, read this book next.
1: Um, I would probably, if you want to do something similar enough to Ghost of Eden Park, I would say Sin in the Second City, just because it's kind of the vice under uh american dream you know the under see me under belly of the american dream it's a s- similar thematic thing so i think if you enjoyed the ghost Eden park you would enjoy some of the city although i think the ghost Eden park is a much better book
0: so that was a yeah. very clever way may i say of asking what is your favorite book
1: yeah i always like to know because exactly. you know nobody
0: yeah, yeah. will answer that oh, no. I'll of course so like, what book my favorite you, book is the
1: ghost Eden park i think it's my which best book, book do you recommend I next no, i have no i have no oh is that your favorite book it. Yeah, it oh you
0: don't mind saying that no Oh God! Mine I don't like children. I yes. can't. I no. can't. I can't. You
1: know what? If I had kids, I'd be like, "You're my favorite. You suck."
0: That's great. Wow! I, I I'm glad to, you don't have kids.
1: Yeah. Are you ready to
0: hit? Uh, finish up with some
2: quick hit questions. Yeah, let's right, see so you both can answer. You know,
1: I had I had parrots.
2: My oh,
0: have you talked to her about her parrots? She, oh, that was one of the first things good. she told me about the parrot. Oh my God! Twenty-four yeah. years old. Uh, how old is this parrot?
1: My my Dexter. Well, Poe, you know, has died.
0: Poe died, but po how old is this? Dexter is twenty-two.
1: Just turned twenty-two. I've had him since he was 16.
0: Dexter. Years. Yes, I
2: I picked up on that.
1: After Pete Dexter, the novelist.
2: Wow. Sure. No, it I know, no, obviously, because no, Dexter wasn't even,
0: yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. clearly it was Pete Dexter. No, no, Philly guy. Philly guy. He's yeah. a Philly
1: guy. If you've never read Pete Dexter, read Pete Dexter. I've never in a million years uh, heard anybody with a better ear for dialogue. Pete
0: Dexter, has, the, the paper boy.
1: He has the most brilliant ear for dialogue of any novelist I've ever read in my life. guy. I will put
2: one of his books on my queue. Great, great yeah. guy. Great guy. I, I would
1: say Paris Trout. Harris uh, Trout. Trout won the National Book Award uh, in you, 1980. And you
0: know the story about Pete Dexter? He got the shit beaten out of him yeah. in a bar fight.
1: Which was, God's Pocket was his book about that. But uh, I, there's never been a better writer for, for dialogue in yeah. fiction. Yeah, very
2: good, very I'll, good. I'll take you guys up on that. Right, Eric, so every question, you're going to go first, you go second, okay? Oh, no, way. I go first. No, she goes first. Uh, you, go go first. No, no, Abbot, you go first. No, no, you go first. let Eric go No, first. No, no, you no, go, no, go first. Right, now,
1: I like to play off. No, this
2: is your thing. Abbot, here we go. You and I are at a bar in New York <laughs> City, you want to impress everyone at the bar. Who's the coolest person in your phone that if you texted them right now, they would text you back?
1: Faye Dunaway.
2: Well, that's a real good answer.
1: Yeah.
2: Gosh, good answer. Shit. Eric, follow <laughs> that up, Eric. Coolest person. I, I don't have a cool person. You have to have someone that if someone's like, <laughs> yeah, oh my.
1: Somebody. Oh my God.
2: The person I name would. drop. Yeah, name drop. You have to have someone in your phone that's kind of cool. I, I got to go through my phone. I, I can't compete with Faye Dunaway. Although. <laughs> you you got to give an answer though. So someone, someone has to be cool on your phone. Like, oh yeah, this is person. Come on. I'll make one up. Biden. I don't think he would text you back. Come on, come on! All right, before we finish, you got to give me an answer,
0: okay? I'm gonna, i think about this. I I, 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 think it's possible that Tom Hanks is in my, is in my, my queue, but that, I don't know. That's fair. That's a great. Tom an-
1: Hanks is good. That's a great answer. Although Tom I don't Hanks. think he's cool Faye Dunaway.
2: Faye's a great answer. I'm gonna yeah. tell you that's fake. So, Evan, I will gonna
1: do her, I was gonna do her audi- her book. I was gonna ghostwrite oh, really? her book. She wouldn't be honest. She, I was wait, like, wait, Faye. wait,
0: you were asked to, to oh, yeah, ghostwrite her I book.
1: Enta- I have voicemails. Wait, from Faye you left this out of our personal
0: history, really?
1: I will tell you all. I play my F- wow. Faye That's with incredible. Wow, in The Loose So she refused to, um, I loved her, mm-hmm. but I was like, Faye, I was like, be honest. Like, like, be honest about what it was like to be a woman in Hollywood at that time. You, like, the, the things that you were in pressure to, like, there was clearly a drug period. Mm-hmm. Like, be honest about it. Like, you're a legend. You are an American treasure. Come on.
2: And she wouldn't do it. And she
1: wouldn't do it. Oof. And and but we had many voicemails and emails talking about back and forth about what she might do, what she might not do. And, and Faye's
0: really a great good. answer. Tom Hanks is also yeah. Um, yeah, but she trumps mine. I mean, I, I don't even know if Tom Hanks. Is, it's probably his assistant who's in mine. Okay, next question. Remember
2: honesty here. Last time you checked an Amazon or Goodreads review, never, never.
1: Two thousand eight. I'm right? not kidding. Two thousand eight.
0: Never. Never. We're, that blows my mind. Not never. Not never. I stopped checking Amazon reviews about a decade ago. Yeah, okay. I stopped
1: in two thousand eight.
0: And Goodreads, um, I will, I will, check in. I, I will never read the reviews in, in, in Goodreads, but I will occasionally tap into Goodreads and engage with readers about which I love. I love. Yeah. I yeah. love hearing what they have to say. And also Here's my thing about I, Goodreads. I don't. Oh, you Reviews. I, I don't re- read reviews. I don't. I don't. Read any kind of review of my stuff um, because it just drives me crazy. Yeah. Even well, a great review will drive is me crazy. This the thing. Oh,
1: like okay. y- you remember all the negative and don't remember any of the positive.
0: Even the positive review, right? Yeah, one like, one, one line good, will one rattle line, through my head. And for, then all forever. the other stuff. We are so done. neurotic. Yeah, yeah.
1: How, but this is the thing about for me for Goodreads. Like I I won't even engage with the readers although I want to. I I had a person where I said, she said she was in my Goodreads account and she would say you got a question I was like here's a question can you post it for me because I can't even go there I can't wow. even go on there yeah. yeah how about
0: this in your travel I don't, th- I don't mind engaging with readers I, mean, I, I, I want to engage I think with readers
1: <coughs> but I won't go into the <coughs> like I, I don't want to risk seeing any reviews because I think, I think a Goodreads honestly is full of frustrated writers mm, yeah, oh,
2: yeah. they write the, 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 re- the yeah. reviews at
0: 85 I, yeah. I feel like I, a lot I, of it I, is
1: jealousy that you even got published
0: I agree with my reviews but I, I love the interactions with readers because they tend to be very very civil, very kind. I don't, I, I do don't, too. I don't. We don't. I don't know about you, but I don't get the toxic stuff. You know. Anyway, go ahead. Next quick, yeah. quick hit. Next quick hit. Uh in your research, in your uh, boots
2: on the ground, what's the coolest pe- piece of memorabilia you own? It can be from one of your books, or it can be something random someone gave you. What's the coolest piece of memorabilia that you own? Oh, shit.
1: Okay, from the Synod of Second City, the Everly Sisters um, original uh, advertising brochure, leather-bound brochure, about what their rooms are like and what their services they offer.
2: And where is that displayed?
1: It is, uh, it is displayed, well, it where, is Well, where in, is it, yeah. Where do I? I don't have it. Oh, oh mean, no, I want to
2: know what piece you have. Oh, what the piece, I piece I have. you have. Yeah. Oh course God, course that's
1: a whole other thing. Um, I have a picture. I only have a photo. I don't. Oh, okay. I actually have a flask from the 1920s. Good uh, answer. Yeah, from the 1920s, which was a cane. It was a gentleman's cane that was disguised as a flask. They had, or a flask that was disguised as a cane, actually, where you would uh, screw <laughs> off the last bottom third of it, and you could fill it with your liquor and put it back mm-hmm. on. And then, if you were in a cafe or whatever, you could surreptitiously, apparently, empty your cane into the, you know, empty your alcohol of choice into the into whatever you were drinking, and sort of have oh, a cool. have a flask. That's a good answer. All
0: I, right, I right. Um, yeah, that was that's what I had. Eric, calls you know, PC I I, have, I you know, I've gotten a lot of bits and pieces of memorabilia about the world fair uh, world's fair of 1893 but i guess i don't know if this counts but my favorite 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 thing is a cartoon that was done on uh, for me or on my behalf by stefan patsis pearls before swine great cartoonist oh, wow. and he sent me this panel that he had done in his cartoon which shows this one guy saying one of his characters saying yeah, it's this really boring book about the Chicago World's Fair, and then the other character sprays him with mace. <laughs>
2: oh, that's ah, that, that's yeah, really that's cool.
1: Brilliant. Oh, that's and cool. then uh, he that.
0: says, "Yeah, the world's too full of stupid people," or something <laughs> like that. That's a good I love one. Stephen Fast is being my my favorite cartoonist. How about I this? Last show you binge
2: watched? It can be trashy. It can be good. Ninety Day Fiance. Last show you binge watched? Oh, okay. I'm gonna okay. say. I'm
1: gonna say you.
2: You on yeah. you? Netflix?
1: Never heard of it? Oh my no. god! No. Oh, you got. That's it. Are I just I I you know, pe- Wow, why you so Y-O-U? Okay. you on Netflix? Yeah, yeah. Well,
0: when did that come out? For, it's
1: been out for a while. Yeah,
0: it's we're in the it fourth final season comedy drama. Right it is both. It, it's I think it's Dexter
2: love story kind of. Yeah, he's kind of a killer. He, yeah, okay. he's kind of a killer, but he's a very good idea. He's romantic. You should definitely differ, and put okay. this right, the first season you might actually love, which is my favorite, cuz the guy Joe who was the star of you he works in a bookstore in New York City yeah. and falls in love with a girl yeah. and then from there just crazy right. things happen okay. so Joe is a sociopath it. who works
1: in a bookstore i right. So, start with that yeah.
0: what about you so I hate to say it but the, <laughs> the latest thing that we are binging on we came to this really late uh oh really late it's 30 Rock I never watched oh,
1: it I never watched
0: it oh my god is it good 30 Rock <laughs> I'm so glad to hear that you never watched it no so this thing came out like 8 years ago I mean I, eight, I love Tina Fey but
1: other Tina than that Fey. And, yeah. so, and
0: so we started watching it, and we, we needed some fun. We, yeah. needed, we just were in the mood for something just, just mindless and fun. <laughs> Fucking hilarious. Okay. I mean, every single episode, and there's one episode in particular. Look for it on YouTube. It's the Midnight Train to Georgia episode. Google it. Look All for right. it on YouTube.
1: Is Alec yeah. Baldwin in it?
0: Oh, yes. You've okay. seen everything. Um, but, but 30 Rock. Has been to us like this amazing. Just we love it. We love. It. We just laugh our asses off. We watch like two or three episodes every night, and there's like eight seasons. So yeah. th- we're going to be and laughing our asses off for a long time. Yeah. All right. We're going to finish up the last few. First real job you had.
1: Oh God.
0: <laughs> Define real. Do you
1: want? Do you want me? I have a couple. Yeah. Well, you. And they're all. Let's funny. hear. Yeah, I want to hear them. All right. So my. <laughs> one of them was. I was a lifeguard, and I was such a bad swimmer that I actually, like, failed my failed my swimming test the first time, but then passed by the, the seat of my pants, got a lifeguarding job at a very small apartment community pool where nobody ever went in cool. it, and I only wanted to get a lifeguarding job because I wanted a tan. That's great. I just wanted a tan, right? So I was laying out.
0: It's good to have priorities. Yeah, of course. Yeah.
1: I mean, I was like, I don't know, 15 or 16. Uh, oh, actually, I think I was in college. This is embarrassing. So I, I I, was in there, and I and I, got this job. And I, and so my friend who worked at the front desk of this apartment complex called me one day, and she's like, you're about to get fired. And I was like, why? She's like, because you rotate with the sun.
2: Stop it. And people saw she's you?
1: like, because I, I would turn around. <laughs> like, I wouldn't watch a pool. I would turn. And that is awesome. I would literally sun turn my east, seat around. around. I'd turn my seat around so I'd get, like, the proper sun. And like, wow. wasn't watching the pool. And she's like, You're about to get fired because you're rotating with the wow. sun. And I was just like, If I get fired, I get fired. I'll give my tan.
0: Wow. Wow. So As that, rotate and also, the
1: uh, yeah. And also, <laughs> the, 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 the week I discovered marijuana, I started working for Troopers Against Drugs. No, don't no. work. <laughs> Oh yes, I did, and like I would pitch these people and be like, "Hey, you want to donate the Troopers Against strongs And like anytime they were like, "Yeah," and I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Like I did literally you guys not try marijuana? Yeah, I was like literally, I was like, "Are you like I couldn't believe that they like bought it." And they, those and are two and wild first yeah. jobs. Yeah,
0: yeah. Eric, okay, first repeat the job. What was first your job? Your first okay, ever so, job. so real job. I mean, define real job. Like,
2: like like the first first job where you actually had to like I have a I have to be there at eight a.m. and I'm getting paid for it.
0: Well, I mean, are you including, more? like, jobs when I had when I was in college, like when I was that's a park I, park, park supervisor? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And the one day that I went to McDonald's with a friend of mine, a kid got mugged in my park? No, no. Yeah, hello. Hello. You leave or, your beat or, unattended. Or another time in the park, you know, um, I was just doing my thing, and then this guy comes into the park with two Doberman Shepherds, lets them run free, and they come tearing at me, and I'm up on the monkey bars. <laughs> no, but that's what? not... That is awesome. well, that's probably that's not so what you're awesome. talking about. My first real job was after college. I oh, went to work we for that? for a publisher, Grosset and Dunlap. Um, the best thing about that job uh, I, I will never forget is that on the way to the interview, um, <laughs> not Dunlap, Dunlap, Grosset and Dunlap, um, on the way to the interview, I stopped at Penn Station to do what one does in the men's room and flushed the urinal and the Blue disinfectant came spraying out onto my white shirt, and I went on to the interview and got the job. Really? You know what?
2: Because you
0: stood out. That's why.
1: <laughs> that is pretty great. I, I stood will, out. I will say one more thing about my first job. My first, The lifeguard job? My first. No. Oh. My first reporting job was to go shadow Kobe Bryant at, oh, no. uh, at Lowemarie High, School. high, School. At Lowell high wow. School.
0: wow wow High School. Wow. Did you uh, meet him and stuff?
1: Oh, we hung out all night. Oh, yeah. Wow. That's a- and, uh, and and I wrote a piece about him in his, his senior year of high school, where he was going to go. And then I went and followed up with him when he was a wow, rookie that's, in that's L.A. That's really cool. And I could send you that piece. It yeah, was, I would love um, to read that. And um, it was wow. just sort of poignant because it was like the him going from, I mean, to, to hang out with him in high school was such a weird experience. And I was pretty young myself. I was probably only 23 myself. Wow. Yeah. I could send it to you. Yeah, was, I, I want to read. Yeah, you. That's really that cool. that was like my first big, big reporting job. Did you
0: Did you have a sense at that point that he was going to oh, do something yeah. big?
1: In Philly, in the in the suburbs, it was like this guy's the next Michael Jordan.
0: Really, they knew yeah. even yeah, they knew even then. So I, I, it
1: was it was he was it was when he was dating Brandy. I was going to say
2: th- th- it they, was right that was my next thing. They it did like right a PR then. thing. They knew he was going to be the next guy. Like, hey, get yeah. him to the prom with
0: Brandy. It
1: was it was right around that time. Yeah. I, can, he, can I yeah. throw in
0: one last thing about jobs? Of course. One real job that I had while I was in college was. My job was to clean glassware, um, uh, to clean pig sperm out of the glassware. I am, I'm no, no, joke. No. no joke, no joke, no joke. This, this was my job, and I had to do it well, because you always knew when you failed, because there would be like this little black spot after it was disinfected, and I was really screwing up. I was not doing well. I think I got fired Wait, from cleaning pig clean sperm. Yeah, yeah, I I have to where are.
1: was pig sperm at? Yeah. It was like like at like a, a a
0: University of Pennsylvania. There's no, it was a, no, a scientific study at, at Penn.
1: Okay, I have one thing more, maybe worth <laughs> Oh <laughs> I, I don't know. All right, all right we're, we're, we're
0: throwing it down. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're throwing, throwing
2: it down, it down.
1: now. I've, do yes. you guys read while you're,
2: like, do you, do you have your own gear? Like, what books are you guys reading now? Or do you not, like, do you focus so much, like?
1: I, when I, when I, I usually read fiction. I don't read a lot of nonfiction. I have very few nonfiction people I read. I read him. Mm-hmm. I read like maybe two other people nonfiction. otherwise it's all fiction so are you
2: reading a book right now
1: i am i am reading um carolyn Kneppi's uh you uh like the second in her series and um i am reading um oh god jonathan santlofer's uh the last mona lisa which i kind of um rereading but I, I usually read fiction. Okay. I'm usually a fan of fiction because I think most nonfiction—this is so terrible to me. I think <laughs> I think most, most nonfiction is super boring. Okay, yeah. And I and it has to be a narrative. And I'll read him, and I'll read a couple other people who I think write really good nah, nonfictions that are narratives. Wow. Okay. But it's but it's few and far between. Well, yeah. What about
0: you, Eric? You're, you're, you said you're, you're hustling your book now, so like you, you know. It's well, I'm, 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 I'm yeah, I'm really trying to get this thing done, but. So uh, I agree. I mean, for pleasure, I only read fiction.
2: Wow. Okay. Yeah. I only
0: read fiction. Um, yeah, right now, I'm reading a book by Eleanor Lipman, who I love. Uh, yeah. And it's called Ms. Demeanor. Lovely book. Um, I like her and too. I, so I only read because you know one thing about nonfiction. If you're especially if you're in the midst of a of a book. If it's good nonfiction, you don't want to read it because right. it, it, it makes it you think about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if it's that's very bad general. nonfiction, you don't yeah. want to read it because it sucks. Wow. You know? yeah. And because during the day, while you're working on a book, you're reading enough bad nonfiction, yeah. you don't want to read it after. I mean, so much nonfiction, non-fiction we
1: have to read for research is so dry, and so right. uh, there's no narrowed ball. But, th-
0: but the lovely thing about yeah. the research is that so much of it, like these monographic histories, are so dry that nobody will ever in their lives read them. Yeah. But...
1: If they're if, full of if, great information. Yeah, but
0: if yeah, if you steal yourself and you go through them, th- this is why I read these things. And to me, it's it, it's not. I wouldn't say it's exciting, but I'm I'm compelled to read them because you never know what you're going to come across. Yeah. That some poor some poor academic who's trying to get tenure somewhere has just left this jewel
1: yeah in the heart it's of true. this like
0: 400 page monographic, really, whatever, and it's gold. Yeah, it's gold. But like, so afterwards, yeah. fiction. I mean, I'm, I, at this point, I'm, I'm in such an intense phase with this next week, which I will not tell you about that 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 I, I after after like dinner, I mean, sitting by the fire and stuff, I mean, I can't even I can't even read. Wow. Yeah. wow. You know, I just I just have a I just have a little glass of bourbon and I just sit there like just sort of enjoying the fire and thinking to myself, just just, you know, calm down. Peace. and
1: Yeah. Uh,
2: final two New York questions. Oh, here, we, yeah. here we go favorite place in new york city
1: oh god that's a very good question i am um my favorite period of all of history is uh like the victorian age um anything that reminds me of victorian new york is is a favorite i love the campbell apartments i don't know if they're exactly victorian but they evoke that sort of very exclusive mm-hmm. old school new york to me um New York is so interesting because I love Philadelphia, but it doesn't have, even the old school Philadelphia doesn't have that same grandeur as as old New York does. And uh, anything that reminds me of old New York, so whether it be the Cloisters. uh, Oh, yeah, of course. Oyster Bar, um, the Campbell Apartments, um, even something like Dempsey's. I love a a low school, uh, uh, sort of a low brow bar as much as I love a high brow bar. A camp, uh, uh, the Bemelman's I love um,
0: That's a good place We've been there
1: Yeah we've been there New York Library Anything that evokes Old New York to me Where it's so precious That even the um, Ephemeral nature Of New York real estate Can't change it I like that That's that's yeah. what I love
0: yeah. Eric <clears throat> Powell's Osteria On yeah. Madison Avenue It's a Italian restaurant um, Shout out to Juan The bartender My <laughs> wife and I love him uh, we were just there the other night, and it—we just—that's our—that's our New York place. We go there now. Now we—you know—we had to take a hiatus because my wife shattered her kneecap. Is that going to affect the
2: doing?
1: marathon run? What she, what she doing?
0: Well, okay. Oh no, my, my wife. No, my wife is a tough person. Okay. Yeah. So the, the, this eight weeks ago, she shattered this kneecap, um, and she is now doing physical therapy. The knee is technically healed now. Physical therapy. But she has qualified for the marathon. Love and it. And she is going to do it. Yeah. That and is I awesome. And I have 100% a? confidence She's that wonderful. she will do it. And we're so. off mic, I'll tell you about
2: something really cool I have for you for the marathon. Here we go. Yeah. 2 a.m., just say in a few months we go out, rip, roaring, drunk. It's 2 a.m. What food do you want? Right before you go to bed, you're sitting on your couch, you're watching 30 Rock, you're oh. watching you. What food do you just want to scarf hey, first down? First
1: of all, we're coming from the slipper room. We went to see burlesque. Okay, okay. We went to see a raunchy ass burlesque <laughs> performance at the slipper room, which I've been trying to get him to do. Well, to I don't, but I don't think also personally that, that
0: I'm sitting on the couch. I mean, I'm going to be out wherever I am. But anyway, go ahead. No, no, no. What food we scarfing down at 2 we a.m.? We're going
1: to um, Nonya in Chinatown, Malaysian. Okay. It is. It is my favorite. That's a good spot, answer. My okay. Favorite restaurants in and city. And when do you go
0: there? Typically?
1: When I go there, I get uh, me
0: What What holiday?
1: Oh, I go. I go fucking Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's. That is my. Gives three points.
2: Okay.
0: An arrogant. I don't
1: cook, and I don't. And like I don't do anything. You.
0: Well, I love to cook, but it, but if I'm going to be sitting on the couch at two a.m. watching, yeah, you know, let's say another episode of Thirty Rock or yeah. something, you know, my favorite thing is. You know, peanut butter on toasted whole wheat bread with bourbon.
2: Wow, that's so, that's like a pregnant woman's thing, really. It's so amazing. Well, thank you. Well, thank you for that.
0: No, but it's like, it's like, this this, this, this is something about, have you ever had peanut butter sandwich with bourbon? No, I haven't. i still try it. Because there is something about the the combination of the three. Okay. And so that's my thing. Not that. that either of
2: you guys need it, but just plug. Where I can follow you on the Instagram, Twitter, social, all that stuff.
1: Uh, Instagram abba at A B B O T T K A H L E R. Uh same with Facebook and Twitter, same thing. Yeah. Me
0: me it's Twitter at E X Larson. And I love Twitter, by the way. So
2: You, 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 act, so you still I, I'm
0: still sticking. I'm still sticking. I mean, yeah you know every new iteration with elon musk i'm thinking to myself what the Is this hell my time this to bell, yes yeah, yeah. what the hell is this guy doing you know but i find that my audience like well, not my audience my the people i communicate with are invariably civil kind sweet people i have made five corporeal friendships from twitter you know which i value i never would have met these people now we have lunch we have drinks and all this stuff you know yeah. that's that so yeah. yeah yeah you're active on
2: twitter too yeah relatively active yeah this was an absolute blast thank you eric thank you for showing up on time everyone thank you maybe next time you can be on time for us um we're we're pretty punctual people (laughs) so next time if you can just
1: (laughs) next time i will thank you thank you mike for lying your ass off (laughs) mike next time i'm gonna sleep over your house the night before and so maybe you. you'll Uh-oh. come out on time you, come with you to the podcast this was can't a, complain
2: this was a blast thank you so much and I'm excited <laughs> for both your new projects come out you have two coming out and the podcast and you have the book that we're going to talk about off mic and everything's rolling so thank you so much for doing this thank,
0: thank you, you Mike. Mike thank you Mike